Our scripture reading, Psalms number 1, beginning at verse 1, we read these words. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. Verse 2. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water, that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. The ungodly are not so, but are like the shaft which the wind driveth away. Therefore the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. <coughs> For the Lord knoweth the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. Will you turn in your Bibles, please, to Luke chapter 7? Has it ever, have you ever noticed how often, how often the scriptures portray our Lord as our shield? our defense, particularly in the Psalms. We see our great God spoken of in this very way by David. How often we see the man after God's own heart running to his Savior for an event, hiding in him for refuge, seeking protection behind the mighty God of Jacob as his shield. Solomon, the son of David, he learned some very valuable lessons from his father. Listen to this psalm in 119, verse 114. Thou art my hiding place and my shield. I hope in thy word. I hope. Isn't that wonderful? That God draws us to turn away from what we have in this flesh and have a hope in his son. That's what this word is all about. Everything in this Bible is about him. Him who is the word, as it says in John 1. In Psalms 144, verses 1 and 2, we read the psalmist write these words. He says, My goodness and my fortress, my high tower and my deliverer, my shield and he in whom I trust. Isn't it wonderful that God brings his people to trust in him? Isn't it wonderful that he teaches us through trials and tribulations that we can't trust in anything of this flesh? Our only trust is in his son, the Lord Jesus. Proverbs 18.10, we read these words, The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous runneth into it and is safe. Those who are righteous in Jesus Christ, the Son of God, those who are in Him, they run to that high tower. We run to our Lord Jesus over and over and over and over and over again. Don't we? Oh, Lord, help us if we don't. If He loves us, we will. My people shall come to me. All that the Father giveth me shall come to me. Proverbs 30, verse 5, we read these words, Every word of God is pure. He is a shield unto them that put their trust. So we see just in those four 
different verses, and there's many, many more, where our Lord is our shield. He's our protector. We can run to Him in our needs. We can run to Him with our joys. Thank you, Lord. What what joy Kathy and I had visiting with our daughter last weekend, or last week. What joy we, we were able to enjoy with her in traveling the distance that it is. Folks, I'll tell you, that highway out there is a lot crazier than it was when I was a truck driver. Ooh, a lot crazier. And God protected. I, I pray for you a lot, brother. You're still out there driving that big semi around. He's our shield. He who is our shield in hiding place. He who is our defender. The psalmist sang with joy, singing, God is my defense in Psalm 710. The Lord Jesus Christ, our God and Savior, is the great mediator. You know what that means? He's the great go-between. He's the protector when somebody comes and accuses of you and I, of what we are. He stands up and he says, wait a minute. He becomes our shield, our protector. Wait a minute. I've paid for that. Don't you charge that one with that anymore. In Psalm 62, verses 1 through 8, allow me to read for you, Truly my soul waiteth upon God. Not as well as I'd like it to. Not as well as it's going to the day the Lord takes me out of this world. But for now, my my soul truly waiteth on God. From Him cometh my salvation. He only is my rock and my salvation. He is my defense. I shall not be greatly moved. How long will you imagine mischief against a man? Ye shall be slain, all of you, as a bowing wall shall ye be, and as a tottering fence. They only consult to cast him down from his excellency. They delight in lies. They bless with their mouth, but they curse inwardly. My soul wait, thou only, upon God. For my expectation is from Him. He only is my rock and my salvation. He is my defense. I shall not be moved. And God is my salvation and my glory, the rock of my strength. My refuge is in God. Trust in Him at all times, ye people. Pour out your heart before Him. God is a refuge for us. Selah. In this passage before us in Luke chapter 7, The Holy Spirit holds before us an instructive example of Christ our God defending one of his own. Look with me, if you would, beginning at verse 24. Luke chapter 7, beginning at verse 24. We read, And when the messengers of John were departed, remember, John had sent a couple of his disciples to go hear about this one. They had come to John and said, Hey, have you heard about this guy that the people are talking about? Remember back in verse 17 it said, And this is the rumor of him went out throughout all of Judea and throughout all the region around about. And these disciples had come to John and said, Hey, have you heard about this guy? Is that the one we're supposed to be looking for? And instead of John telling them with his own lips, which he had already done several times, he said, Go. And he sent his disciples to go see this man who is Jesus. That's what I tell you to do today. Go. Don't take this man's word for it. Go to his word. Go to the where you see and hear his word in his Bible. Be as bold or be as uh, noble Bereans. Check the word to be sure whoever stands before you is speaking the truth. 
So he sent his two disciples, and after they had left and gone back, now remember, everybody around had heard what was going on. They knew that John was in prison. They knew that two disciples had come. They know the Lord said, go your way and tell John these things. And they're wondering to themselves, now wait a minute. Wait a minute. What? What's going on here? We're, wasn't John the Baptist? Wasn't he one of God's people? I wonder. What happened to him? Is he really one of God's people? Is it, is it possible he's not? He's in prison. Surely one of God's men didn't do something to be thrown in prison. Surely, sure, sure. So when these messengers sent that John had departed, our Lord began to speak to the people concerning John. He began to speak to those around about who this man John is. We're talking about our intercessor. The one who intercedes on our behalf. He says, What went ye out unto the wilderness to see? A reed shaken in the wind? Is that what you went out to see? Some man who is in the flesh? I, I, I read these words and I can't help but think to myself, how many came to this very church just to hear Don Fortner? How many used to come here just to hear him? There were those who all they wanted in an entire conference with four different preachers, eight different messages, they only wanted Don Fortner's. Even though all the preachers preached the same message. Even though our minister, our pastor, Gene Harmon, preached Christ and Him crucified. What did you come out to hear? A reed? Something in the flesh? Verse 25, But what went ye out to see? A man clothed in soft raiment? Did you go out to see a guy dressed up in robes? You know, some churches have guys all dressed up. Have you ever seen the Pope dressed up and what he dresses up in? Whew! That's some fancy stuff. Behold, they which are gorgeously apparelled and live delicately are in king's courts. Speaking of kings of this world. But what went ye out for to see? A prophet? Yea, I say unto you, and much more than a prophet, this is he of whom it is written, Behold, I send my messenger before thy face, which shall prepare the way before thee. For I say unto you, among those that are born of a woman, there is not a greater prophet than John the Baptist, but he that is least in the kingdom of God is greater than he. Imagine that. Our Lord knows the hearts of all of those that were standing around listening. He knew the hearts of those who were watching him speak to the disciples. He knew that there were folks who doubted those very thoughts that I gave to you a moment ago. Is that man really a man? Look what he does. He drinks beer. Is, it, is that man really a truly a man of God? Look what he does. He smokes cigarettes. <gasps> Did you hear what that man said? He said the S word. Is he really a child of God? Oh, how quick we can judge another person. Do not think God is just talking about these people alone. He's talking to you and I. Everything in this book, everything God inspired men to write in this book was so that his people would hear his word. 
If you're a child of God, this is a letter to you. This is a letter to me. This is a letter to us. Sinful men are prone to assume the worst of what they hear, don't they? How quick are you to judge a man in the news that has been charged with something? I'm ashamed to say that I'm very quick at it. I am very quick at it. Our Lord can read the thoughts of their hearts. And what he read was not good. He knew that thoughts were going through the minds of those people about John the Baptist, so he declared his son, his prophet, to be who he is. Did you know that the Lord declares that with you and I, with his Father? You're just as righteous as the Son of God if you belong to him. You're just as righteous as the Son of God if you belong to him. Despite what we see in this flesh. Despite what we see in this flesh. Maybe John, maybe the fact that John was imprisoned caused the multitudes to look upon him with suspicion. Whatever the reason was, our Lord Jesus immediately took up his case. He took up his cause without a moment's hesitation. Like a faithful friend, the Son of God takes upon himself the defense of his faithful servants. Proverbs 18, verse 24, we read this. A man that hath friends must show himself friendly, and there is a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. I can't imagine my brother Lee ever turning his back on me, but I know that my Lord Jesus Christ will never, ever, ever do it. He gave himself for me. If you belong to him, he gave himself, he gave his life for you. Why would he ever turn his back on you? Why would he ever let somebody slander you? Our Lord Jesus pleaded his cause with a strong, firm, and unquestionable language of loyal, faithful friend. He took it upon himself to silence the suspicious thoughts, the doubts of the minds, and those around him about John. He said that John was no mere reed in the wind to be shaken. He was not a man unstable, wavering in character, but he was a prophet, and he was not just a prophet, but a great prophet. What a blessed picture we have before us. Do you not find it sweet beyond expression that our Lord does the same for us? When it comes to the judgment seat, our Lord will stand before God as our friend and he will say, no, that's not who he is. That's not who she is. Have you ever been held in suspicion? Has anyone ever doubted who you are? I have a couple of family members who would not bring my mother to this church for her services would not have services in this church because of something I had done that I had done out of love. I had relinquished the paperwork my mom had given to me, the responsibility that mom had given to me, because I loved my brother. And I knew what he was doing was out of love for my mother. And because of that, he thought evil of me. 
And because of that, he said, I'll not come to that church for your services. Even though he knew that that was my mom's desire. Instead, they went off to some other hall and had a family meeting there. I know what it's like. Do you? Do your friends come and say, what kind of a Christian are you that would do that? What kind of a child of God are you that would do that? I'll tell you what kind of a child I am. A sinful one. A weak one. One who falls all the time. Look in your look in your bulletins, will you? Open it up there right underneath the announcements. This is your pastor, friends. This is me. It is an honor of our Lord Jesus Christ that he caused that his cause and his gospel survive all the sins and follies of his people. <laughs> Brother Mushi once said, one of the proofs that the gospel is true is the fact that through the ages it has continued in spite of, so, of such poor preaching. <laughs> Spurgeon wrote these words. He says, talking, taking, minister, talk, taking ministers all around, I find them more likely to destroy than to build up the cause of Christ. Henry Manning writes these words. He says, The Master's kingdom has survived the blunders of his disciples. His wisdom stands in spite of our folly. His power is not lessened by our weakness, and the glory of his righteousness has not been clouded by our unrighteousness. The King of kings still conquers using such poor followers as soldiers as us. Have you ever been charged has anyone ever been suspicious of you Noah's son Ham sought to mar his father's name among all of his own brethren Moses was the object of much slander in Pharaoh's house but the slander in the house of Israel was even more bitter than that do you remember the story of his wife Miriam even her and his own close friend Aaron were suspicious of Moses. Joseph's own brothers, we just read, spoke evil of him. John the Baptist was praised, this very one. We just see our Lord lifting up, declaring him as a faithful servant. He was praised as a great prophet one day and then accused of being possessed of the devil the next. Our Lord himself was slandered, falsely accused, betrayed, and looked upon by the multitudes, those who would not hear him as a vile man, a glutton, a drunk, a constant companion of sinners. Paul was accused of self-serving, of being a self-serving false prophet, a promoter of licentiousness, a man of wicked words. Look with me at verses 36 through 39 of our text. Luke chapter 7, verse 36. And one of the Pharisees desired him, the Lord Jesus, that he would eat with him. And he went into the Pharisee's house and sat down to meet. And behold, a woman in the city, which is a 
which was a sinner, when she knew that Jesus sat at meat in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster box of ointment, and stood at his feet behind him weeping, and began to wash his feet with tears, and did wipe them with the hairs of her head, and kissed her feet, and anointed them with the ointment. Now look what we see in verse 39. Now when the Pharisees which had bidden him saw it, he spake with himself, saying, This man is he, if he were a prophet, would have known who and what manner of woman this is that toucheth him, for she is a sinner. Isn't that interesting? Right after we see the Lord stand up and make intercession for John, he gives us an example of one of his children being slandered. These are not easy things to bear, slandering. People who say, oh, can you be a Christian? Don't you first stand up and start getting defensive? Yes, I am. What do you think you're saying? How, how dare you say that about me? That's our nature, isn't it? That's our pride. Slander is not an easy thing at all. J.C. Ryle wrote this. He said, Slanders are easily called into existence, greedily received and propagated, and seldom entirely silenced. Lies and false accusations are the devil's chosen weapons by which he tries to injure the Lord's people, by which he seeks to destroy a person's usefulness and disturbs our peace. But folks, we have an advocate. <laughs> slander me all you want. They slandered Don Fortner. whole group of people rose up against him. Won't even look at his words of his books anymore because they thought he should be more than the sinner that he was. Same thing for Pastor Gene. I'm not going to go into detail, but I'll tell you, and some of you know some of the details. Some of you know it. But he was slandered heavily in many ways for sticking to the gospel, Jesus Christ and him crucified, for 38 years. How often have I shared with you the times where I've been called flapping on top of the water, never one who would dive deep enough into God's word. That's slander. That's okay. I'll take it. For God's sake, I will take it. We have an advocate in heaven who knows our sorrow, who is touched with the sorrows that touch us. And that same advocate who took up the cause of John the Baptist before this Jewish crowd is our advocate today. How can I be a child of God and doubt that I am saved. How can I be a child of God and think those thoughts that just went through my mind? You can slander me all you want. Let me tell you something, folks. There's no greater judge of me than the, than the person standing right before you. I am my harshest critic. Ask her. She'll tell you. I can walk away from a, a, bringing a message and think to myself, oh, how could I have said those things? Why couldn't I have done a better job of bringing the message? How does God use this guy before you to preach a message? 
And she'll tell me, John, quit being so hard on yourself. God's doing the work, not you. 1 John chapter 2, verses 1 and 2, we read these words, My little children, these things write I unto you, that ye sin not. And if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. And he is the propitiation for our sins. The Son of God will never depart his own. Our names may be cast into mud. Evil may be spoken of by wicked men, but the world may frown upon us, but our Savior never changes. Again, can you ever get tired of hearing this? He gave His own blood for us. I don't care what the world says about me. My Lord looks upon me with a twinkle in His eye. He loves His people. He loves you with an everlasting love. Our Savior never changes. He has undertaken our cause. He will protect and defend us in the best of ways. And one day soon, He will plead our cause before the entire world. Turn with me, if you would, to the right. Hold your place. Mark your place in Luke. We'll come back to it. Turn to the right, if you would, to 1 Corinthians chapter 4. Recorded in... 1 Corinthians chapter 4, we read in verse 3, But with me, writing Paul, it is a very small thing that I should be judged of you. That's what I was just saying a moment ago. Think of me as you will. I have a mediator in heaven. I have one who will stand up for me. Maybe not before you, but before the one that counts, he will. But with me it is a very small thing that I should be judged of you or of a man's judgment. Yea, I judge not mine own self, for I know nothing by myself. Yet I am not hereby justified, but he that judges me is the Lord. Therefore judge nothing before the time until the Lord come, who both will bring to light the hidden things of darkness and will make manifest the counsels of the hearts. And then shall every man have praise. Of God. Turn now, if you would, over to Philippians chapter 2. Philippians to the right. Just past Ephesians. In Philippians chapter 2, we begin reading at verse number 5. Now, before you begin reading there, let me let me just share this with you. Without question, those words that we read there in that verse, in those verses of Luke, this is he that whom is written, it is he is the one the prophet that is above all. He is that least of the kingdom. He became less. He became. He, he humbled himself and became flesh. Without question, it's talking about the Lord Jesus, the Son of God. He became the least among men, the very least in the kingdom of God, though he was greater than all, as we read in 2 Corinthians 8, verse 9, For ye know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that so he was rich, Yet for your sakes he became poor, that ye, through the poverty, might be rich. Now, let's join me, if you would, in Philippians 2, beginning at verse 5. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, and took upon him the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in the fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. 
Wherefore God also hath highly exalted him, and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. He who is God over all things and blessed forever became a man. He who created everything that is became a servant of men. He became flesh to serve his people, to serve as our substitute, to serve as our atonement, to serve as our sanctification, to serve as our justification, to serve as our redeemer, our deliverer, our Messiah, as they knew of him in the Old Testament. That's God. That's God in the Son. He who is holy, who is harmless, undefiled, and separate from sinners, was made to be sin, that we might be the righteousness of Christ of God in His Son, the Lord Jesus. He who is life was made to die the painful, shameful death of the cross that you and I might live through Him. However, those words that we read are also talking about his disciples, his people. The word least that we read there in that last verse of of verse 28 back in our text of Luke chapter 7. Read with me again there. But he that is least in the kingdom of God is greater than he. That word least, that means new. That means small. That means youngest. John the Baptist was chosen of God to usher in the Messiah to prepare the way for Christ the Lord. The Old Testament saints, they saw the Savior through types and figures. John was blessed to preach the fulfillment of those types and figures of the Old Testament prophets that they preached. And today the saints of God, who are the least, the youngest in time, will see and preach the Lord Jesus Christ himself through his word. Look over at Hebrews. Again, hold your place there in Luke. We'll come back to that. Turn over to Hebrews chapter 1. We've been studying the book of Hebrews, I believe, for about seven different weeks now. I don't want to, I want, I want to say something before we read this, these verses in Hebrews. I'm not suggesting in any way that the believers before Christ walked this earth are any less than you and I. Don't take that. That's not what we're saying at all. We all have the same belief. We all believe in the same one. Those folks, though, just looked forward to what was going to happen. You and I look back on what has happened. So in that sense, since we see him as Jesus, we have a better revelation of him than they did. Since we see what needed to be fulfilled, fulfilled, We've seen the results of our Lord walking this earth. They looked forward to it. We looked onto it. We have a better revelation of what happened, of what was, of what our Lord declared. So we're not suggesting that the believers of the old age, are, of this age, are superior to those of the Old Testament. Hebrews 11 declares unto us very clearly that all of those saints, that great cloud of witnesses, were just as blessed as you and I. For the same reason to you and I. 
You and I, though, have the final complete revelation of God in Jesus Christ inscribed for us in his written word. Look here, Hebrews chapter 1, verses 1 through 4. God, who at sundry times in diverse manners spake in the times past unto the fathers by the prophets, hath in these last days spoken unto us by his Son. That's what he's doing today. He's speaking to us by his Son. You hear words with these ears from this mouth, but you better be hearing words from this heart, from his mouth. That's hearing his words out of his word right here preached. He hath in these last days spoken unto us by his Son, whom he hath appointed heir of all things, by whom also he made the world who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his persons and upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had by himself purged our sins, sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, being made so much better. That's what you and I have. We, have, we see the Lord Jesus Christ in a much better way. We see him in his physical person on this earth, walking establishing the righteousness, laying down his life for us, shedding his own blood, his own perfect, precious blood, and sitting at the right hand of the Father right now. We have the revelation of a better sacrifice. Jesus Christ, the God-man. Back in your text, Luke 7. We have the revelation of a better uh, sacrifice in Jesus Christ, our righteousness. We have the revelation of a better sacrifice in Jesus Christ, our atonement. In Jesus Christ, our Lord. In Jesus Christ, our advocate. Let me close with this. Our Lord declares that if I neglect to give you his warnings, your blood will be on my head. Look at verses 29 through 30 of our text in Luke chapter 7. And all the people that heard him and the publicans justified God being baptized with the baptism of John. But the Pharisees and lawyers rejected the counsel of God against themselves being not baptized of him. There are those who don't want me to tell you the warnings of God. That's all you ever do, John. Warn people about the free will of man. That's all you ever do is warn people that God is sovereign of all things. They don't want, to, they don't want me to preach the warnings from his word. In Luke chapter 7, verse 29, the Spirit of God sets before us a very solemn lesson. All who are privileged to hear the gospel either justify God or they reject his counsel. All the people that heard him and the publicans justified God being baptized with the baptism of John, but the Pharisees and lawyers rejected the counsel of God. Folks, to some, the gospel is made of God to be a sweet savor of life and salvation. Being born of the Spirit, convinced of our guilt and sin, looking to Christ, all true believers justify God. Allow me to read for you from the Psalms again. Let me turn there quickly. In the 51st Psalm, we read these words. 
Have mercy upon me, O God, according to thy loving kindness. According to the multitude of thy tender mercies, blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from mine iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I acknowledge my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. Against thee and thee only have I sinned and done this evil in thy sight, that thou mightest be justified when thou speakest and be clear when thou judgest. Behold, I was shaped in iniquity and in sin did my mother conceive me. There is a child of God. One who accepts, one who believes, one who has been given the gift of faith to believe God's word of what we are. Self-righteous rebels reject God's gospel. They despise and they cast off the counsel of God against themselves. Listen to these words in Proverbs chapter 1. Proverbs chapter 1, we read this over in verse 23. Turn you at my reproof, saith the Lord. Behold, I will pour out my spirit unto you. I will make known my words unto you, because I have called you, and ye refuse. I have stretched out my hand, and no man regarded. But ye have set at naught all my counsel. And with none of my reproof, I also will laugh at your calamity. I will mock when your fear cometh. When your fear cometh as a desolation and your destruction cometh as a whirlwind, when the distress and anguish cometh upon you, then shall they call upon me, but I will not answer. They shall seek me early, but they shall not find me. I have been accused. I have been accused. I stand before you accused by another man. I've been accused of leading you by fear. By fear. I brought before you a message the other day where I asked, have you ever wondered? Have you ever wondered if you're a Judas? I have. I have. If that's wrong of me, I'm sorry, but I have. And because I brought that before you, I was accused that I'm whipping you with fear. That I have brought the fear of God upon you. I read for you a moment ago the warnings that God gives us. Should I neglect those warnings? Should I just bypass those and not give them to you? Should I not share with you the, the weakness of this flesh that stands before you? That you might sit in your chairs there and say, you know what, I have that kind of weakness too. I need a Savior too. I was called worse than a Pentecostal. Okay. <laughs> Call me what you want. I know this. That despite my weaknesses of thinking what I, I might be a Judas. You know, I don't know. But I do know this. I do know this. If I go to hell as a Judas, that's what I've deserved. That's what I've earned. That's what should be coming to me. But I also know this, that the Lord Jesus Christ took what people, some people have earned and what they deserve. And maybe I'm one of those. Maybe I have a hope. I have a great hope that there is a Savior. That when I go through that door marked death, 
I would be in his presence. How can I be in his presence? Not by this Judas flesh that stands before you, but by our righteous Savior, Jesus Christ. That's the gospel. That's the good news to a sinner. We have an advocate in heaven who won't let people charge us because he's already taken our charges on himself. I'm guilty. I'm guilty of telling you and using fear. But I'm also guilty of telling you of the great hope we have. I'm guilty of telling you the truth about where is our salvation? Salvation is of the Lord. Of the Lord alone. And that's the hope of every sinner saved by grace. I leave you with this. If I'm a Judas, it's all of me. If I'm a saint, it's all of Christ, who is my better sacrifice, my better substitute, my better mediator, my friend, my God. John the Baptist and you and I could have no better friend than what we have in Christ Jesus the Lord.